Welcome to the Ed Epley Experience. 20 minutes that simplifies the complex job of managing and leading people and inspires you to take action on what you probably already know to build and sustain a smart and healthy business. Here's your host, Ed Epley, to introduce this week's guest and business leader. Welcome to the Ed Epley Experience, the podcast designed to simplify the complex job of managing and leading people. The goal of this podcast and everyone that we have is to share with you at least one proven practical business concept that will help you run a more sustainable, profitable, and purpose-driven company. Today's guest, he's become a friend, and I mean a sincere friend in a relatively short period of time. I guess you're kind of a client, but but you're more of a friend than you are a client. And his name is Matt Hollander. Matt's the CEO of Hulco. Uh, they're the essentially the largest home remodeler in the eastern part of Tennessee. Some comments or words I wrote down about Matt. Uh, he's one. He's rare. There's not many people like him in a in a positive way. Great husband, father, successful second generation entrepreneur. And I want to talk a little bit about that because most successful entrepreneurs are first generation. He's second generation. Um, What I love about Matt uh, audience is he always leaves others, uh, no matter the circumstances, better for having been around him. He is constantly, relentlessly looking to get better at whatever he does. And I tell you what, I don't know how he gets as much done in his days as he does, but there's, uh, it's always fun to follow him around, be with him because there is very little uh, time wasted when you're around Matt. So, Matt, welcome to the Ed Epley Experience. Ed, thank you so much for having me, and I value your friendship as well, and I'm glad to be with you today. Well, thanks. I'm excited to get a chance to have the audience learn a little bit more about you. I've thought a little bit about your industry, and, you know, when we say home remodeling, that's a big, broad topic. Um, and it's a highly fragmented industry. If, if you think about, I, I don't know who the largest national player is. You might even share with us, but how have you guys enjoyed such success in an area that where there are so many gypsies, so many fly by night individuals in, in the organizations that do this work and not only been successful, but thrived literally in a pretty competitive marketplace? Well, it is very fragmented. There are franchises. There are just individuals that may have a helper or somebody that, uh, I mean, there's a lot of uh, like firemen do this on the side. And then you get into the next um, phase where we're at, where you have, you know, full-blown company that does marketing and production and has a sales team. Uh, the big players, to answer your question, uh, there are a few in the country that do what I do in the three to $500 million range, but they yeah. have multiple okay. locations. You know, I know uh, one company that has 30 locations. And then um, I think that for what we're doing, we're in two markets and cover uh, Chattanooga and Knoxville and all the way up uh, into the Tri-Cities. And then we have North Georgia, a little bit of Western North Carolina, basically a two to three hour radius from us. Okay. Um, to answer your question, uh, have we been successful I took the business over uh, from my father and just really tried to start learning from others. I got involved in a couple of peer groups that vendors had put together, and then I got into some more formal peer settings, and I I figured out we can be original at some things, but we don't have to be. We just try to uh, learn from others, copy what they're doing. They like to help me. I like to help them. And so, you know, when I first started, it was the peer groups, reading 
Um, and then, you know, subscribing to industry newsletters and, and just sharing info with others. You know, I, one of the things I've watched uh, in the time that we've known each other and heard maybe more about because it, it happened before you and I met, you've gone from being, uh, I think, broader in what you've done for your clients in home remodeling and kind of started to narrow that down to not doing quite as many things. Am I right on that? You're correct. We have um, introduced new products and we've taken some away, but over the last several years, we've realized we're more successful uh, if we say no to as many new opportunities and focus on <laughs> what we're good at. It's a numbers game. Uh, how hard has that been for you and Bobby, uh, your general manager, to 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 be able to to limit the the offering? How, I'm sure that was. I'm sure there have been debates about that, especially with the sales organization. Oh, definitely. And the sales team, they always want something new and shiny to sell. But if it doesn't fit our business model, we've just became very disciplined. Really, uh, in the last couple of years, about. Uh, reducing the number of offerings we have. We really only have five or six core offerings that we do, mostly related to the exterior of the home. Uh, and it's what we know we can produce profitably. Uh, and we have a system for it. And we can just grow the volume from there versus trying to bring on something new that typically causes problems or you have different trades that get involved or yep. the job takes too long. So we're very big proponents of staying focused. Now, you serve on some boards for other businesses. Do you find that they have trouble focusing and being disciplined and, and not doing, you know, trying to do too many things for too many kinds of customers? Or or do you feel like they've got that same discipline? I think the ones I'm involved in are fairly disciplined because they are more, they have a single product they're selling. Uh, where in our industry, it's easy to take on new stuff. I mean, for home remodeling, you could start coating garage floors and selling gutter protection. You could do interior blinds. There's so many things you could throw in there. Uh, I've got some peers that sell water purification systems, but we've decided just to to single our focus on the things we've done the last 30 to 40 years, and it's served us well. All right. You know, uh, your father started the business, and as I said uh, in my introduction about you, that you're a successful second generation entrepreneur. I'm, I'm curious, and I know one, you love your dad and, and your dad was running a successful business when you bought it from him. Do you feel like you're more of an entrepreneur than your dad was? I wouldn't say I'm more of an entrepreneur. I think uh, we go about it a different way. Uh, Elaborate. Some, Elaborate. Sometimes, sometimes that was a struggle growing up. And, um, you know, I'm out want to go one way and him go another. And ultimately we got to the destination at the same time. Um, and I think that's true with a lot of father and sons, but I mean, I grew up in the business. My dad was a hard worker. He always provided for us, but he, he, he wore a lot of hats. Uh, when he founded our company in 1977, he was also driving a school bus and he, he had a business that laid carpet in the evenings and in the middle of the night at places like bowling alleys that had to be open in the daytime. He, he did a little bit of all of it. And then as uh, Holco grew, uh, he sold his bus route. He sold his half of the carpet business. And uh, we started manufacturing storm windows around 1980. And that evolved into manufacturing replacement windows. And then that led into all the other products we sell today. Uh, I started working at our window factory when I was a teenager. And uh, I rolled window screens for a dollar a piece. And then uh, he, he, he had me go get my own installation crew. And I installed for a while. And 
then I sold for a long time and then I started uh, managing. So uh, maybe back in the early 2000s, he and I, I remember, were riding back from visiting a vendor in Atlanta and we started talking about one day me taking on a bigger role. Uh, and he, he had an interest in politics and at the time was a county commissioner and he, he loves giving back to the community. And, and so in 2005, uh, I found a box of business cards on my desk that said president. So uh, <laughs> I started. That uh, is a great story. <laughs> and then uh, in 2007, I purchased the business from him. And today he's still in politics. He's our county trustee and uh, turned uh-huh. 74 last week. Uh, God love him. That's wonderful. But that's uh, did, did you know he was going to do that, that box of business cards? Did no, that, I didn't. Not that day anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I love the subtlety of that. <laughs> That's a great story. <laughs> All right. Well, you and I met at the course for presidents at Aileron. And um, I remember you sitting there uh, in the middle of the room, back table, and your head nodded a lot. I'm just going to say it that way. You seemed to, a lot of what we were talking about seemed to resonate. I'm curious about what was it about the course for president, what you heard that made you at least give me the impression that you liked what you were hearing. Well, to feed your ego, the facilitator had a lot to do with it. So uh, <laughs> that's why I asked. <laughs> yeah. You mean answer the rest of it, or is that all you need? You can, okay, you can forget the rest now. <laughs> you got the no, important uh, part. No, go ahead. I've I've attended similar um, events to Aileron, and honestly, a lot of the content is not brand new, but uh, it's definitely a lot of great reminders, and it puts it into a system where you can not only follow it, but follow up on it, and uh, it was great. We met Clay and Till when we were there, and we learned, you know, not only how to lead more professionally as owners, but they also have a a similar course for managers. And I actually have three of my managers going up next month for that course. So it it was great. Do you think that since you've been to a number of programs, is the, the issue, not so much the content, but how do you take that and be able to actually use it? Is so is is having a system or a, a mechanism by which the concepts and ideas are are easily applied? Is that more the issue for most business owners? Do you think? Well, from uh, just my experience, a lot of it is taking all the information and actually executing it. My employees hear me say "get her done" a lot, and when you come back from these events, you're just bombarded with all this great information and you take 20 pages of notes. And typically for a lot of people that goes in a desk drawer and doesn't get looked at sometimes ever. So um, I always try to pick, you know, my top three normally on the plane ride home from the event and then make sure to execute on that. But in my opinion, that's why a lot of things don't get done after you learn new content or even get reminded of content you knew, uh, you know, things you should be doing. So uh, in my opinion, it's executing on it. You're listening to the Ed Epley Experience. Email Ed now with your questions for today's guest to podcast at theepleygroup.com. In his book, Let's Be Clear, Six Disciplines of Focused Management Pros, author Ed Epley breaks down key practices of professional management, how to implement them, and why it matters. 
Purchase your copy on Amazon.com today. Develop your competitive edge for the future while building a sustainable and thriving business. So in your case, when you try to execute, what gets in the way? You, you got a new idea or concept. So what's the number one thing that, that probably, despite your good intentions, would cause you to struggle with the execution? Is it, is it something that you fight that's, you know, it's self-imposed by you or is it the, the business makes it difficult to actually do it? I think a lot of times it's getting everybody aligned. Um, you know, the, maybe if I go to an industry event or like when I came to Aileron, uh, Bobby was with me. If we go back and try to explain it to other employees, you know, a lot of times when I go out of town, I think I get back and they're like, oh, heck, Matt's been to another meeting. Um, <laughs> yeah. So it's getting their buy-in and everybody moving in the same direction, which is why I think it's great that Aileron has the course for managers. Now that Bobby and I have done the course for presidents, we'll all be in better alignment. And then it's the accountability uh, for a lot of people. You know, Aileron has follow-up phone calls with an advisor. And, you know, after Aileron, Bobby and I rewrote our vision, mission, and values. And we had somebody walking that journey with us. And that helps a lot because of the accountability. Otherwise, everybody gets busy and it doesn't get done. I uh, uh, I don't want to make this uh call solely about aileron because uh, uh, obviously you you were running a successful business before you ever ever were there um i, I noticed and and uh, immediately uh as i got to understand your business that you've always had a uh, a desire to pay forward do you you've always wanted to give uh back to the community or to organizations that that you know do good work in the community some people talk about a double bottom line where there's a, a financial result, but there's a change in the communities in which you operate where they're, they're somehow left better for your business's presence. Did that come from your dad and your mom? Is that something that, that was modeled for you? Where, where did you, where did you, you develop that belief that that was the right thing to do? Oh, my dad was definitely a good role model and, and liked to help people a lot. Uh, but then I just, I think I was born with it too. I, you know, I, I think we do it for two reasons, or I do it for two reasons. Personally, the first reason, I, I've just always found personal happiness from helping others. I think it's human nature to feel that way. Uh, but, I, you know, they say what goes around comes around, and I really believe that. And then I'm a Christian, and, you know, the Bible tells us, I think it's in Luke, to whom much is given, much is required. And uh, another verse says, do not forget to do good for others. And that you know, goes back to what goes around, comes around for me. Now for, yep. for my company, uh, we not only do it for all those reasons, but it's good for culture. Um, our mission statement, which we rewrote after attending Aileron is to make it better for our customers, our coworkers and our community. Um, and our employees enjoy being part of something, you know, it definitely helps our culture. It also, shows the community that Holco likes to help others and give back. And, you know, they like doing business with companies like that. So first we like to help people and that's the real reason we do it. But if we get extra business because of it, we'll take it. Um, so those are the two main reasons. And then seven years ago, uh, my wife and I started um, our own foundation, the Holco Heritage Foundation. 
And we have functions throughout the year. We do a golf tournament. We have a wine dinner. Uh, we have a concert. And we help raise money that way. So we're raising the money. We're not just pulling it out of our pocket. We do a lot of that in, inside the business as well. But this was something separate uh, that allowed us to raise money that we just turn around and give back to the local community. And we give it to other local nonprofits where we know where the money's going that are not top heavy. Yeah. I, I, uh, I was going to say you've uh, for your size business and, and I, I'm not going to reveal numbers to the audience, but you're not, you're not a hundred million dollars yet. So let's just make it clear. That's not how, how big your company is. It's, it's not that size. There's an amazing amount of thought. And I would even say discipline you've brought to the way you try to, to do your charitable uh, giving your, your uh, paying forward, if you will, to the community uh, and those who've been good to you, you know, that you've tend to try to model that. So what have you learned about that? You know, in the seven plus years you've been doing this, my guess is you're not doing it exactly the same way today as you did it when you started. I guess the, um, well, the, the one thing I learned is once you start giving back, you get a lot of phone calls <laughs> <laughs> and a lot of hands are out. Um, so it's, it's sometimes difficult to say no. And I'm, you know, the type of personality that I want to say yes to everybody. So it's difficult, but we set a budget. So within the company, we have a budget that will be for community events or, um, you know, we sponsor a lot of events, but then our foundation we just split it up equally amongst every year, five different local nonprofits. Some of them stay on, some rotate off. The ones we're more passionate about, we continue to give to. But, you know, it's not an exact science either. So uh, we just do as much as we can. But at some point, you know, you got to put the brakes on. And it's easier to explain to someone, hey, you know, I appreciate what you're doing, but we set a yearly budget for this. And, You've called me middle of the year, so get with me at the end of the year, and we'll look at something next year. But uh, we try not to just let folks spring things on us that as the year goes along, and you know, overspend on on our community outreach. So, is it pretty much up to you and Jenny about how that gets uh, done, or does your foundation have a board that that makes those decisions about where the money goes? How 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 do you decide? You know, who gets what? It's a combination of three. Uh, my wife and I definitely have some input and then our foundation does have a board and some of my employees are on the board uh and then we just recently had like when we had our uh, 2020 kickoff for the company we had an all-employee meeting and i stressed to them i wanted their input on what was important to them so we let the employees our board and then my wife and i make the decisions on on where we split it up and how and you know a lot of it for us is we have a young daughter and most of the charities we help are revolved around children uh, one we're real active with the jason foundation they raise awareness for teenage suicide and having a teenager and realizing how rampant that is now and aside yep. from car accidents yep. it's the number one cause of death for teenagers so we help them a lot and they're based in tennessee i think they're in all they're in 48 states now, but they're based locally. So we, we help them a lot. We help um, the Hunter Worley Foundation. They help families that lose a child with bereavement counseling and funeral expenses. And I could go on, but most of them are related to children. All right. Well, yeah, I, I think one, one thing I've noticed about all the uh, uh, owners of businesses who support 
uh, charities of one sort or another. There's there's a theme, you know, based upon what's near and dear to them that they they tend to move in that direction, and for for good reason. I want to come back to your relationship with your dad and the transition of the business. Uh, you and I have never talked much about it, but I always got the impression it was pretty smooth. It was pretty simple. And so I'm curious about what you've learned from that uh, transition when and you becoming the owner versus your dad and and what advice you might have for others who are family owned businesses and, and have yet to necessarily go down this road. Well, I think it depends on the time and generation and age of, you know, the, the father and the son or the parent and the child. But um, for my dad and I, and we wouldn't be where we're at without him. I mean, he, he worked super hard, definitely an entrepreneur, and he got us where we're at. But he never had exposure to an aileron or peer groups or even read, you know, at that time, industry magazines. And I just got deep into all of that as much as I could to learn from others. And I think, you know, that's why we grew uh, quite a bit after I purchased the business from him. It was fairly smooth. I mean, there were some bumps in the road. We actually met with uh, we're an S corporation now. We were a C at the time, and we met with several people to CPAs and attorneys to figure out the best way to limit the tax liability there on how to do it. Uh, so I think advice I would give folks out there is just to plan ahead. Unless you're really lucky, it typically doesn't happen in a few months. I think it needs to be planned sometimes for years. Yep. The mistake I see is, you know, when it happens too quickly. You know, was the value there? Was the were the taxes thought through? You know, are you a C and need to be an S corp or vice versa? There's a guy in. Uh, I'm not plugging here, and I don't. I don't know. That's how all right. To, share what you want to share. That's fine. There's a guy in Pittsburgh. Um, his name's Michael. I think it's Malloy. His company's called Legacy HP, and I don't know how I got on his email list, but. I get newsletters from him and he's really an expert in preparing for, he doesn't do the transaction. He just helps companies prepare for whatever their goal is. Is it to sell to private equity? Is it to sell to your children? Is it to give to your children? Is it to sell to the employees, you know, ESOPs? And he's really been helpful. I don't, I've never met the man, but I read his newsletters and it's real helpful. And, you know, I'll be honest at, some point, I would imagine there'll be another transaction that happens with my company. So oh, I always yeah. want to yeah. stay on top of it and plan for it. Well, I appreciate you you sharing that. And I just always, uh, you, you hear so many of these transactions that end up with animosity between family members, or it ends up being much more frustrating and challenging than, than anybody wanted. And uh, so anytime you can find ways to minimize that or even avoid it, that certainly, I think, is in everybody's best interest. And I can see where siblings are involved. That's a big problem, yeah. uh, not being aligned. You and I have some friends down in Cincinnati where three brothers are involved in a business. And had they not had the consulting help um, to make sure they knew who was in charge, they yeah. would still, you know, and I, Mine was most likely more smoothly because I have one sister and she lives on the West Coast and I'm the only one in the business. So that made it easier. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Everyone's unique and some are probably simpler to get done than others. I, I, I want to go back to the structure you have. You know, one of the things that I'm a big believer in and I know that you heard from uh, your time at Aileron was boards of advisors and you serve on some boards, but I don't believe you have one. Do you, Matt? Well, I'm not. I'm not sure if you're asking this question for your listeners or for me. <laughs> uh, the, 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 you, you might th- you think I have an ulterior motive. That's interesting. Uh, but go the, ahead. <laughs> the, 
you know, there's no good excuse I can give you. We've really been in growth mode. Uh, we opened in a new market recently and we've been hiring. We're changing uh, our organizational chart as we speak. And But I am at the point where I should start. I have talked to and identified the members that would be on the board. I just need to execute it. And I do plan to take the uh, the course at Aileron uh, for, you know, how to start and operate a board this year. All right. Well, I, I didn't ask for that reason, but I'm glad to hear that you're considering it. <laughs> um, is there uh, one principle or idea? I, I always like to make sure that that anybody who takes the time to listen to our podcast can go away if they haven't already. One good idea that would help them run a more successful, sustainable business. So if there's if there's one thing that that you would say you've learned, it's kind of like if you don't do this, this is the most important thing, and I know it's hard to, to say that, but if you could say one thing that you think is disproportionately important to running that successful business, what is it from your point of view, Matt? I th- you know, there's many ways to answer that. The, the first thing that comes to mind is one of our core values, which is change and adapt. Um, things happen so quickly now, and, yeah. um, you know, have the management uh, on board with change, have your employees mm-hmm. on board with change. Uh, I think you have to really stress that you have to change to win. Uh, You must adapt to, you know, the economy or the business environment you're in. Technology will force you to change. Uh, It is in our industry, and I imagine in most industries, uh, I would do it often and always tweak things to, you know, make them better. They'll keep you sustainable and it'll help you scale. Um, I mean, I'm always preaching that uh, in our industry. There's something somebody's doing better every day. So, you know, there's a reason there's no Circuit City or Eckerd Drugs right now. So you're right. That's the one thing I would say is be open to, to changing and adapt and do it often. Thank you, Matt. I really appreciate it. He's Matt Hollander, the CEO of Hulco, good friend and a leader in all respects and somebody who's doing it the right way. So I'm glad he's got a chance to share with you all today. If you want more information about professional management, organizational health, and ways to operate a more sustainable, profitable business, you can come to my website, theepleygroup.com. Also, you can get my book, Let's Be Clear There. Uh, We have a free assessment that's just been updated built around the six disciplines of professional management. If you want to take that, you'll have a better sense of where your strengths and weaknesses lie. And there's other information where we do drill downs on different topics in our uh, blogs and posts there that you're more than welcome to download. With that, I'm going to say uh, thank you for listening. Matt, thanks for being our guest. And we look forward to hopefully having you on again real soon. My pleasure, Ed. Thank you. Thanks, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Ed Epley Experience. For more information on building a more sustainable, smarter, and healthier business, visit www.theepleygroup.com for resources, tips, and Ed's latest blogs. That's theepleygroup.com. Plus, take a free assessment at theepleygroup.com slash assessment to find out how you measure up as a highly skilled and accomplished manager and where to focus on improving your skills.